0: Welcome to Dance Through the Lens, the podcast designed for parents whose children have a passion for dance. We understand the unique joys and challenges of supporting young dancers. And in this podcast, we'll share insights, tips, and heartwarming stories from fellow dance parents and experts. Whether you're a seasoned dance parent or just starting on this journey, join us as we navigate the world of dance together. Now, here are your hosts, Whitney Collins and Katie Hughes. Hi, Katie. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Whitney. I'm doing well. Great to hear your voice again. How are you? I am
2: so, so good. I just, I loved our episode last week, talking all about auditions and getting our dance parents
1: ready for that season. It's so important. And I know that it seems like next summer is far away, but fall is really the best time to be looking forward on where you want to spend your summer training. I love that. And so just a quick recap of our last episode, we talked all
2: about summer intensives. We talked about how to find a summer intensive that meets your dancer's needs. Um, We talked about how to prepare for that audition. Um, And so if you missed that episode, it's going to be really good for you to go back and listen to it first because today... We're going to get into like once you have your intensives picked out, like kind of what are your
1: next steps? When I'm working with my artist athletes and when I am working with my daughters on finding those summer intensives, we narrow it down the same way that maybe you've had experience narrowing down the college application process. So we'll have one or two REACH programs. And then we like to audition two or three programs that we think that we're going to have a high likelihood of acceptance. And then we always like to have one or two programs that we don't know if they meet all of our criteria, but we'd like to have the audition experience regardless. Yeah, there's so much to be learned, like
2: just from going through this process. And last week we talked about just some funny stories about videotaping and all that fun stuff and auditioning. But let's get into a little bit deeper. Like, how should you show up to these auditions? Like,
1: how should your dancer be dressed, for example? Whatever the in-person audition attire requirements are should be the attire that you're wearing, whether you're Zooming, you're self-taping, or you're going in person. So for those female-identifying dancers, we should be wearing our skin-tone tights, shoes, a black leotard, Do not wear a skirt or anything that would obstruct your lines. You should have your hair pulled back, be neatly groomed into a bun. And then for our male identifying dancers, we should be wearing our white t-shirt tucked into our black dance pants with white socks and white shoes or tucked into our white white t-shirt tucked into our black stirrup tights with our black shoes. I really love the inclusive language that you're using. And I
2: think that is so important for our dancers off mic, we were just talking about some different things with programs, but dancers can really find some information in that attire, like, or in the dress code, right? I mean, they can see if the dance company is very traditional or if they're a little bit more modern and contemporary. So, that also is just a little nugget of insight about the program
1: as well, yeah? Absolutely. So, I personally really like to see where different body types are represented within a company. And so, I like to have my dancer audition for those programs where I know diversity in the body types is celebrated. And so, you know, you can look at your own personal values and things that are really important to you and follow those programs, Instagrams, see how they have their dancers dress and present themselves, look at what their dancers look like, look at the makeup of the companies and see if that's something that you want to be aligned with. That's a really great way going back to our earlier podcast on how to pick a program.
2: Yeah. And I just love that because that's something that really didn't come up until we started talking about dress code. And, you know, I think that finding a program that aligns with your personal values is so important and having a place where your dancer is going to feel welcomed and included is also important. So we won't go down that rabbit hole, but just a quick little nugget for dance parents as they are like in the process of making those decisions. So you said look at the in-person dress code requirements and just apply that to your Zoom or taped audition. That's great. That's such a good tip. Do you have any other tips for our parents regarding audition wear?
1: yes, don't go out and buy the newest, fanciest um, leotard or dance attire for that audition. It's really going to be in your dancer's best interest to let them wear the leotard that they're comfortable in, that they've had experience dancing in, that they know fits their body type, flatters their lines, and doesn't move in ways they wouldn't want it to move while they're auditioning. There's nothing worse than a dancer picking a wedgie right in the middle of a plie combination. So and Winnie, I'm sure as a photographer, you have a lot of experience on like sometimes things are really great for some situations, but but when you're like photographing it, when it's that like performance moment, there's definitely a, a special wardrobe for that. Absolutely. And more than anything,
2: when a dancer feels confident and comfortable, it shows in their face and it shows in their their confidence to do skills. Like the last thing that you want is for your dancer to be dancing in something that they're not comfortable in. And instead of really focusing on executing their skills, they're focusing on, like you said, tugging things, pulling things, covering things. So I know as a mom, like I would find a really easy thing to do to support my dancer would be to purchase a new audition leo or maybe some different tights or some new shoes. It's such an easy thing as a parent to do, but I think giving them agency over what they feel most comfortable in, as long as it aligns with the dress code, like, yeah, give them that, um, give them that agency so that they will feel comfortable and confident.
1: Absolutely. And I know that like temptation um to have a new Leo or to have a new pair of tights is there, but I really from experience and from working with performing artists in the mental health realm, the Fewer things that are new on an audition day, the better. So when I think
2: of like I don't know uh, a classical ballet summer intensive, um, you know everybody is there. They look pretty similar, um, you know, in their dress in their dress code, and the focus really is all on the dance. And my personal opinion is that sometimes the clothes can detract from what the dancer is doing. And so you probably want to be pretty careful with that too. Like you want your kid to be you want your kid to be noticed, but you also want them to be noticed for the right things, right? Not that they're wearing huge earrings or something weird.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I would say in the classical ballet, in those summer intensives, you want simple, clean lines. Nothing to detract. You want the technique and the spirit of your dancer to be the thing that speaks the loudest in the room, not their outfit. Now, Funny enough, Whitney, when we went to one of these other auditions where you can just kind of wear um, more like the convention clothing, the mm-hmm. ballet and me came out. And so I did dance my, um, did dress my dancer in like an all black two piece outfit. And they stood out the most um, because of how simple their outfit was. Um, and they weren't wearing one of the neon colors. So I, I always go for simple, clean, and what your dancer feels really good in.
2: And I imagine like the convention environment is just so different than like what you're really talking about with like what we're talking about right now. Like right now when we're talking about summer intensives, I think that those programs, are they a little bit different than like what the kids will be pretty much auditioning for over the summer? Or excuse me,
1: in their competitions, like in the conventions? Sorry, let me back up one because I didn't set that up very clearly. Yes. So When you go to a summer intensive audition for like a ballet program, it's really run like a master class. When you go to a convention and they have an audition within the convention weekend, you're typically going into that audition class wearing what you were wearing in the convention classes. And you can be selected for summer intensives through that audition or for like an ambassador tour, but they are very different types of auditions that we're talking about. That's so cool.
2: And so obviously the wardrobe for that is going to be completely different. Like, do you have
1: any recommendations for dancers that are going through that process? My dancer and I always come up with a simple base. So her base outfit is usually a very clean cut sports bra and brief set that we feel like we can layer with really strategic pieces to make that outfit look genre specific. So she can dance in her bass really well for ballet and have nice clean lines. She can dance in her bass for contemporary and again, have nice clean lines, be able to show off her technique. She can throw on a pair of baggy pants and throw a sweatshirt around her waist and be able to go into that audition if it becomes a hip hop audition and be authentic to the genre. She can put on a really cute little wrap fringe skirt if it ends up being a ballroom audition. She can throw on some really funky jazz shorts if she wants to do that for a jazz audition. But I really recommend like having a really great base that they don't have to go change out of if they find themselves in one of those convention auditions and it's in a genre that would require them to like kind of get into character. I
2: love that. It's not about your dancer's skill set at that point. It's about her feeling like she owns that skill set, like she feels at home in that skill set because she is dressed appropriately for that genre.
1: Absolutely. And it doesn't require anything fancy. It doesn't really require, you know, going out and, and buying anything special. It's just a little bit of planning, uh, a conversation of, with managing expectations And then, you know, setting your dancer up for success the night before, packing their bag with some possibilities and letting them know how to utilize them. That's awesome. All
2: right, so just to recap, if you're doing an audition for a specific company that has, you know, specific in-person requirements, make sure that you're paying attention to that. They're going to be a little bit different than if you are auditioning on a convention circuit because then you're going to obviously be wearing whatever it was that you're wearing for the classes. So just be mindful that different types of audition processes do have different dress code requirements and just make sure that
1: you're set up for success either way. Perfect. I love that Wendy. Absolutely. Like just, you know, going onto the websites, asking questions. I've never come across a situation where, you know, I asked a question and felt, you know, stupid for asking it. Everyone's always been super helpful on pointing me in the right direction. So
2: why don't we segue into that like the technical skills and the things that they're going to be looking for you were talking about like a resume or a packet um what types of things does a dancer need before they go into auditions
1: like we've already talked about the video well what are the other components so all programs are, you know are a little different um, but most of the programs are going to ask you for a headshot to submit with your application and then they're going to ask for you to submit a photograph in a couple of the basic dance positions these can seem really elementary like a photograph of your dancer tendu alsegant tendu to the side um, a photograph of your dancer in fourth position a photograph of your dancer in arabesque and then a photograph of your of your dancer up close headshot and then going to want a resume and remember they're fully aware that your dancers 10 they're not expecting your dancer to have moved mountains so they just want to really know like how long have they been dancing where do they get the majority of their dance education and if they've ever gone away to a dance program before and what programs those would be
2: yeah so have you done quinn's photos yourself like do you normally get those done professionally like what are your opinions on the photos specifically
1: um well, I have, yes, I have experience photographing Quinn, and we will be getting them done professionally going forward for a few reasons. One will be because of the experience I'm about to share with you, and two, because of where she is in her career and what her goals are. So I absolutely think there is nothing wrong with taking your dancers' photos yourself, and I've done it for years but it's an experience. And wow. So let's see. The first time we tried to do Quinn's photos, she was eight. And those are basic positions, but it's really hard to get the right angle and the right lighting. And I just don't think I did her justice, but we still got the results she wanted. So, you know, that's water under the bridge. We did it. The second year we were doing her photograph and this year she was on point. So we had to get The same photos, but on point. And she has a very specific way that she wants to look in her photos. And so I asked her dance teacher to help us do it. And her dance teacher laughed at me and goes, Because I said, Hey, do you have like five minutes to like help me, (laughs) to like help me snap these pictures? I have to send her application off tonight. And her dance teacher was like, "Uh, This is going to take longer than five minutes. She's like, I remember taking these photos from my applications. These are a big deal. Like, they're going to watch her in her audition, but these are the things that are going to be sitting on the desk when they're looking at the dancers to decide which one of the two is going to get moved forward. Like, mm-hmm. these are the this is the lasting impression. This is the thing they hold on to. Like, this is not an afterthought. That resonated with me. So I did use those last minute photos for her application, but that was the last year I decided I was going to do that. So in that moment, I had the dance teacher holding Quinn's leg in arabesque. I had Quinn's best friend holding her hands. I was laying on the studio floor. We had lights angled and then we would all count to three. And then she would hold her breath. And then they would, her friend and the dance teacher would run away out of the out of the frame and I'd snap the picture and like, it's really hard. And I mean, I don't, I have a great, I have a great iPhone. It was a lot. It, I'll just leave it at that. It was a lot to get the photo and that doesn't say anything about my dancer. It's just the expectation on those photos and and my like abilities. The pressure's on. So we and I and she wants to you know go to d- different programs and I really want these photos because they are so technical. I want them to be, be professionally photographed from this 12-year-old year onward because this is such a great milestone to see her growth and progress. Yeah, I think coming from like a photographer's point of view, like I
2: had a really great grip on photography before I started photographing dancers and I have a dance background. And the learning curve to applying like what I know about dance and what I know about photography to bringing out the best shot of a dancer. I mean, it was a pretty steep learning curve. And it's, um, you know, I think that we sometimes think, oh, well, if my dancer can do all the things, like I can just quickly snap the photo. And it's, yeah, it can be really challenging. And the one thing about images of dancers is that dancers are so critical of themselves, but they're more inclined to think that it is a problem with them instead of a problem with the photographer if the photo doesn't come out just right. And, you know, it's a, it's a split second that you have to get that peak Moment. Um, and so you do have to be really careful. It can become really frustrating, but can, it can also just become very demoralizing. And you want to build up your dancer going into that audition. So having somebody professionally do the photos that knows what they're doing, not just, you know, a random photographer who's going to give you, you know, 40 bucks for an hour and a million shots. Like you really want somebody that's going to be able to capture your dancer's best shot in a way that's empowering and like you said a way that you can use these photos again and again and you're you're both confident both the dance adult and the dancer are confident sharing them because they know that they really do represent the dancer's best.
1: I love that Whitney and maybe I mean with your experience being a dance photographer professional they seem basic but maybe you can speak to how difficult it is to actually capture the perfect arabesque. Like it's 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 rough yeah I think here's why I think that you know
2: if you're not an experienced photographer like you were talking about earlier is that you're trying to get the lighting correct and the angle correct and you're looking at the big picture things in a photo can I see the person am I capturing the movement you know but what you're not seeing that I see are all the little things like fingers and toes and hair strands and you know the the bait like the the most minimal little changes in the height of the camera, um, you know how to elongate limbs, how not to shorten limbs. Like you know in our our selfie culture, we want to hold the camera up high above our head, and you have to be so so careful with proportions with dancers and you know how high or low the camera is is going to impact your dancer's proportions. And so, yeah, I think that if you, you know, if you're going to be sending your dancer off and it's really important to them and to you that they get into a summer program, I do think that having professional photos is a really great idea because here's why. Like, this experience should be something fun that you guys get to go through together. It shouldn't be, in my opinion, something that causes so much stress and so much anxiety, you know, that it's just no fun for anybody.
1: Like, That sucks. (laughs) No, it does suck. And I do think that like if you can find ways to make it feel special and fun and more of like for me, I like to make it a bonding experience with my dancer and like a memory because we spend so much time at the studio and then she spends so much time away at the intensives that if I don't utilize all of these moments to be like the ones that I wanna have incorporated into her inner voice, the ones I I want to have incorporated into her childhood memories, like, we're, then we're missing the moment. We're missing the point. Absolutely. And this year, shameless plug, this year we are
2: going to offer audition packages. You know, up until now, we've really focused more on custom photo shoots, but I really think that there is a need in our market, our immediate market, to provide something that's really just an audition package so if this is something that you're going to be interested in i will drop the details below and as we come up to that um come up to that date i will speak more about that but audition packages are coming and you know this is great for for people that are auditioning for performing arts schools here locally um you know i've actually even had some headshots that we've done at the studio win photogenic competitions like these package photos can really be used for a lot of different things. So if you're interested,
1: stay tuned because we will be including more details about that. I love that, Whitney. I know that we're going to absolutely be using that for when this year. And we do like to enter the photogenic competition. So we'll be using the headshot for that. We're also going to be going to a few of the ballet nationals next year. And those require black and white headshots to be included in the programs So I I can see a lot of use going forward having these professional photos. I do want to recommend whatever leotard that you are going to wear in your Zoom, in your self-tape, or in the in-person audition, wear that leotard to get your photo because you want to be consistently branded. You want them to be able to have some familiarity with you, to be able to recognize you. So don't change up your look too much. I like that. Yeah,
2: because a lot of times when people come into my studio, like they want to do the hair down with the beachy waves and all that. And that's awesome for like my own campaign that we do for the love of dance. But really for auditions, depending on where the dancer is auditioning, like we have to fit that look. So maybe it is a bun or or whatever the case might be. So, yeah, really being intentional with those decisions, I think is definitely a great idea.
1: Yes, have your photographs match the aesthetic that you bring to the room when you audition. Let's segue into our final
2: kind of audition topic. Um, And that is like how to behave during an audition. And again, like we're kind of talking about a couple of different things. We're talking about, you know, obviously online and Zoom and, you know, like company auditions, but the convention auditions as well. So talk to me a
1: little bit about that. Oh, how how to behave, how to behave and why, right? Morel Leaf, my one of my favorite author's favorite subjects. So the audition does not start, and I and I say this all of the time with all of my clients, with my kids, the audition does not start when you walk into the studio. The audition starts well before, months before. But really on audition day, it starts as soon as you get into that public eye. So how you carry yourself, how you treat your dance parent, how you treat the staff in the facility, how you treat your fellow dancers, how you treat your things, really important. They're watching you. Um, they want to make sure, if you, especially if you're going to be a part of their residential program for the summer, how nicely you organize your things and set them aside. It's important. You're going to be sharing space in their facilities with the, with dancers. How you treat their staff super important. Um, it's not just about how you're going to dance in that audition, but it's really about how you're going to fit into that dance culture. I know that nerves can be high. I know that it can be difficult sometimes to, you know, just kind of like take a deep breath and go in there and just enjoy the moment. But that's my that's my best advice and. One of the things that one of the ballet coaches that we work with last year, we worked with them last year, and they're one of the judges for YAGP, they said that unfortunately, they can make their decision about dancers before they even begin dancing. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it? Yeah. Their minds are already made up.
2: Man. Yeah, that first impression, I mean, it is a really, really big deal. Yeah, because if you're going to have a dancer dancing with you, I mean, you do want the total package. You you want somebody that's just going to be a well-rounded
1: fit for
2: whatever your program is.
1: Correct. Someone that can, you know, be cordial. Um, someone who walks into the studio and respects the accompanist. I mean, one of the things that is – been so great about being able to work at different studios with different dancers is the ability to work with live pianists um, and learning how to respect that artist. If you've never had that experience of working with a live pianist, you don't know how to greet them when you walk into the room or how to thank them at the end of class. So, you know, just kind of bringing in awareness, um, taking note of the people that are helping you with the audition from the person giving you your number to collecting your headshot to telling you where to stand, to putting you in line, to the piano player um, in the room, to um, the table of of judges, to the teacher teaching you the combinations. Like, Just be mindful that they're all giving you their time and attention and acknowledge them. That's just, you know, my best tip. Well, Don't schlep to the bar. Never schlep to the bar. No schlepping anywhere. Okay. Tell us what you mean. What do you mean by schlepping? No schlepping. Like, don't walk into the studio dragging your feet with your shoulders rounded, talking to your friends, no slipping. Like when you walk into that space and you take your position at the bar, like have your shoulders back, have your chest up, position yourself like you have something to offer them, like you're giving them your, your best because that's what you're there to do is to give your best. And so- set yourself up from the moment you walk in. I love that. You know, and I think that even on those recorded
2: zooms, there's there's going to be moments in between the moments, you know, where they're they're really looking to get more of a picture of who you are. Um and and even in the taped the taped auditions as well, like they're trying to read between the lines to see all of the parts of your dancer, not just what the dancer wants them to be looking at, which is their dancing. Um, so I love that, like just project that main character energy in such a positive way. You're happy to be there. Um, you're respectful. You are just ready to
1: go, and I, I just love that. I do too. Don't hang on the bar while they're teaching the combination. You know, stand with your hands in front of you, fifth position, stand in B plus. With your hands behind your back, quietly mark if that's how you're you you learn, but there is no off button during the audition process until you are back in your hotel or you're you're back in the car with your dance parent. I love that. Well, listeners, I hope that this
2: has been so helpful for you as we're getting into audition season. And I don't know Katie if we talked exactly about like like when when are these things open like is this something that right now end of October parents can go ahead and start
1: researching so right now is a great time i'm going to link a couple resources to help you manage your schedule on auditions to look for um, and ways to prepare and just remember that right in between now and the pink peak audition time which is like january and february we're going to have a long winter break so if you are relying on dance teachers and choreographers and videographers and photographers to help you create your package, now's the time to do it because we're going to have holiday performances and then holiday breaks really cutting into this time.
2: Yeah, that is incredible advice. This time of the year definitely has this way of speeding up. And by the time we get through this really busy season, like it's go time. So along those same lines, I wanted to let you guys know that for the first time ever, Whitney Collins Photography is going to be offering audition packages. Now this is different than anything else that we offer throughout the rest of the year because really these packages are meant to give you the three to five photos that you're going to need to submit for your auditions. I do think that you can do them yourself if you want and I'll be giving you guys some tips and tricks to do that successfully. But I also think that there's something about having a professional portfolio that is just going to make you stand out from other candidates. So if you're interested in that, keep your eyes open for the show note email, and it'll have all the details about our upcoming audition photo shoots. So next week, we're going to be bringing on our first guest to the podcast, two local dancers, and we're going to talk with them about how they navigate audition season and different dance opportunities while maintaining a friendship.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Dance Through the Lens. We hope you enjoyed this episode and found valuable insights to support your dancer's journey. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the future, please reach out. You can leave us a message at 912-376-9184 or email us at hello at whitneycollinsphotography.com. We'll be back next week with more advice, stories, and inspiration to keep you and your dancer moving forward.